This is the Rush Life Podcast, where we talk about how youth sports impact our lives and the journey families take when their kids play youth soccer with your host, Richie Gray. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Rush Life. This week's topic was suggested to me by Christina Reed, who is our programs director for all of our developmental soccer programs. We were recently in a staff meeting and talking about the upcoming season and what the return to play protocols might look like. And as much as I would like for COVID to be a one size fits all when it comes to all of our programs, unfortunately, that's not the case. Our DSL has a different set of uh, challenges. We are dealing with a lot of the youngest players in our club, and a lot of them are new to soccer. Plus, there's a much higher parent participation with the players, and we have volunteer coaches and the field layouts and spectators and foot traffic. Honestly, it's all different than the way that our program, than our competitive programs are. While we were talking about all these changes and deciding how we were going to communicate it to the families, Christina suggested that we use the podcast to talk to everyone. So this week, I decided that what I'm going to do is talk to the talk to you guys a little bit about what our community-based soccer programs are, share with you some of the challenges that we're facing due to COVID, talk about some of the changes that we're going to make and how it's going to impact our players and what you might expect as we get closer to the season starting. So let me talk to you a little bit about exactly what are our developmental soccer programs and what are they what they mean to our club. Our developmental soccer programs are community-based recreational soccer programs for families that live within a 15-minute proximity of the facilities. We currently have two locations that we offer our developmental programs. One of them is the West Orange Soccer Complex, and the other is the National Training Center. We're currently in the process of creating a third program at the Dr. Phillips Park, but we're just starting that up right now, so it it probably won't start until the spring of next year. Developmental soccer is recreational soccer, really aimed at kids that haven't played soccer before. We introduce them to the game. Most times these kids are playing with friends from their neighborhood or kids that they go to school with. And the primary focus is to teach them some soccer skills and make sure that they have fun while they're playing the game. Within these developmental soccer programs, we have multiple different entry levels. We've got a Mighty Mites program that's aimed at boys and girls ages three and four years old. This is a staff-led program that requires parent participation, but they practice one time a week. We've got rolling registrations throughout the year. Typically, the season will last for seven to eight weeks. And we know that these kids are three and four years old, so it's hard to teach them soccer. But what we do is we include a ball in the sessions and we try to teach the kids some motor skills, balance, and agility. And then we try to make it fun and include the soccer ball so it's somewhat soccer related. At the heart of our developmental soccer is our developmental soccer leagues. These are team-based programs where we offer a league for boys and girls ages 5 to 13 years old. All of it is a small-sided format. We run a fall season and a spring season. Typically, seasons last eight to 10 weeks. We practice one time a week on Friday nights, and then we play games on Saturday mornings. These teams are all led by volunteer coaches, but we do also have staff coaches out there on Friday nights to help out the volunteer coaches with training. 
For me, honestly, this is one of the purest forms of the game. It's definitely one of the programs that I love the most. We don't keep any scores or standings. Everybody has the same uniform with a blue and white jersey. If we are playing with goalkeepers, they typically just use a bib. And parents are highly engaged and supportive of the players in a positive way, which is great to see. On a normal night of practice, if you look out there at the fields, it looks like a little anthill of families just having fun and interacting. I know a lot of nights when I'm walking away from the fields, I can hear the kids out there having fun. Parents are all cheering them on positively, and the coaches are giving them encouragement. It's, it's honestly one of my favorite programs in the club. And the third program underneath our developmental banner is our developmental soccer training. This is a staff-led program that works with the players on a small ratio, one coach to 12 players. We offer a weekly training one to two times a week on Mondays through Thursdays. So it doesn't conflict with the Friday night developmental soccer program. And you can join this program on a month-to-month basis. With these guys, there's no games or teams. This is a program really just meant to help the recreational players improve their individual skills outside of the team framework. Overseeing all of these developmental programs is our programs director, Christina Reed, which that's who most of you that are listening to this podcast deal with on a daily basis. Christina oversees the day-to-day operations of our developmental programs. She's in charge of all the marketing and the promotions. She manages the registrations. She recruits all the volunteer coaches. She coordinates practices, builds the teams, and puts together the schedules. Plus, she manages the rush staff for the different programs that we offer, and she's also in charge of the game day operations. So she's your point of contact when it comes to all of our developmental soccer programs. So some of the things that I've talked to you about that I love most about these developmental soccer leagues is this anthill that we create with all the families out there having so much fun. And as much as I love that part of the program, that's also part of the program that's creating some some real challenges for us when it comes to the COVID protocols and, and what we need to do. This season, we need to make sure that we maintain social distancing. We need to be mindful of the compactness of our field layouts. We need to think about the players touching the balls with their hands on throw-ins and goalkeepers. We need to limit the number of people that we have on the fields, plus just the ages of the kids and the requirements of the parents nearby are changing the way that we need to run the season. Plus, on top of that, we've got to manage the foot traffic coming in and out of the complex, and we need to be able to uh, provide a good warm-up area for the teams prior to playing the matches. And we want this to be easy for us to manage on game days. And the final part that's a little bit different is we're involved in some new leagues this year that require us to have a much more extensive game day set up with athletic trainers and videotaping the games and hydration stations So we've decided to do things a little bit different. It's not going to impact West Orange too much because that complex is is pretty wide open and it's not as compacted as it is at NTC. So at NTC, the one big change that you're going to see is on Friday nights, we're going to open up all five fields and spread the teams around both sides of the complex. The goal of that is to give the teams more space and hopefully we can get the majority of the teams in in the first time slot, and then we'll have a second time slot for our coaches that coach multiple different teams. 
a little different for NTC as well as in the past, we've always run the games on fields one through three, but during this fall season, we're going to run all the games over on fields four or five. Those are the two fields that are sandwiched between the firehouse and the track and field venue. The one change that we are going to make this season that's going to impact both West Orange and NTC is that we're changing the format for all of the ages, uh, U5 through U14. We're going we're gonna to play 4v4 for all of the ages. That's different than what we've done in the past. We've had the older ages playing 7v7 and 9v9. But moving to a 4v4 format for all of the ages will allow us to avoid goalkeepers and throw-ins and the players touching the ball with their hands. Plus, it also logistically makes it a little bit easier for us to manage the spectators on the sidelines and the players and the coaches on the inside of the field. So I know that we're going to have some families out there because they're used to playing 7v7 and 9v9 that they're you know not necessarily going to agree with what we're doing on the 4v4. Honestly, playing 4v4 is something that we've been talking about internally for a number of years. 4v4 is the smallest sided game that you can play that has all the elements of a real soccer match without the confusions that surround learning to play the game of soccer. I love 4v4 soccer because it forces all of the players to work together. Everybody is engaged and the players have a, a lot of fun. You know, in 4v4, you're improving the player's technique and skills by giving them a, a much higher number of touches on the ball. So if you're looking for evidence, you know, you don't have to look very far around the world to see other countries that use the small-sided format to develop their players. I mean, it's a, a list of World Cup champions like Brazil and Holland and France and Spain and Germany. They all play small-sided games at the younger ages underneath you know, U13 and below. So we've been talking about it for a while. COVID has kind of accelerated us to, to implement it into this fall season, but we're going to try it out throughout this season. And at the end of a you know, at the end of the season, we're going to talk to the families and see how they liked it because it could be something that we can continue to do in the future. So as we start looking forward over the course of the next month, as we prepare for the season to start, uh, registration is closing, I believe, around the time that this podcast is being released. Christina is going to continue looking for some volunteer coaches to help out with the teams. If you've registered and you haven't purchased your uniforms, you're going to need to do that as soon as possible. So you'll be ready when the season comes. We do have some additional waivers and forms uh, related to COVID that the state association is requiring us to get filled out from all of the families. And we'll continue to start building teams and putting together the schedule and working out all of the coaches' conflicts. And we'll keep you updated with any additional updates that may arise. Well, I think that brings you up to speed with the changes that we're planning to make for the fall DSL season. We're super excited to get started, and we look forward to seeing everybody out there at the fields. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Rush Life, and I do hope that you'll join me on the next episode. If you like what you heard, please download it, subscribe, and follow. That way you can be sure to get the next episode, and I think that's going to do it for now. Bye, everyone. 
Thanks for listening to The Rush Life. To subscribe to the podcast, check out other episodes and keep up to date, head over to www.rushlife.club. And if you would like to learn more about Florida Rush Soccer, you can visit us on our website at www.floridarushsoccer.com. We'll be right back. 